1: This is new information that, 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 that indicates that Constable Yang was trying to save a life, and then the tragedy ensues.
2: Now, on the news hour, new details on the line of duty death of a Mountie. The police report outlining Constable Shaylin Yang's final moments. Plus,
3: cockroaches, bed bugs, every minute. That's not a place I want to live at.
2: Displaced and desperate, a fire victim searched for adequate housing with seemingly none on offer. And
3: we've traveled cross-country for five games and in front of a lot of um, fans that don't like us.
2: Looking to clinch a much-needed win, the Canucks hit the ice in Vancouver for tonight's home opener.
3: You're
4: watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at six.
2: Good evening and thank you for joining us. New details are emerging tonight surrounding the tragic line of duty death of RCMP Constable Shaylin Yang. The Burnaby officer was fatally stabbed on Tuesday while on a routine call. Global News has obtained a police report which reveals the young Mountie was attempting to save the life of her alleged killer when hers was ultimately taken. Kristen Robinson reports.
5: 31-year-old Burnaby RCMP Constable Shaylin Yang was attempting to save a homeless man's life Tuesday morning when she was fatally stabbed. According to a police report obtained by Global News investigative journalist Sam Cooper.
1: Constable Yang... Uh, saw that the man was unresponsive in the tent. According to this report, she believed he could be uh, going into overdose or already overdosed.
5: Constable Yang was with a Burnaby Parks officer as he prepared to serve an eviction notice to the man who'd been living in this tent in a local park for several months. The report states she announced she was going in to administer naloxone when the man responded, exiting the tent and threatening the parks officer. Both he and Constable Yang backed away and called for help.
1: According to the report, the man uh, uh, got angry, charged out at the two individuals, including Constable Yang, and then uh, stabbed Constable Yang in the chest area. A struggle ensued. Uh, the two uh, officers tried to uh, restrain the man. And then uh, the report is that uh, the parks officer was uh, could not see and heard two shots
5: bc's police watchdog confirms constable yang shot the suspect but it's unclear how many shots were fired
1: this is new information that that that, that indicates that constable Yang was trying to save a life and then the tragedy
3: ensues
5: the suspect 37 year old jong wan hem once a talented actor and filmmaker One of his close friends says Ham was falsely accused of sex assault in Toronto years ago and the strain of the investigation sent him to a dark place. Ham had been in and out of jail before he was charged with the first-degree murder of Constable Yang. In February 2021, he was arrested and charged with assault and resisting an officer after Vancouver police say a suspect made racial slurs at someone and kicked them in the face in Chinatown. <laughs> this past March, Ham was arrested and again charged with assault after he allegedly made anti-Muslim comments and attacked a security guard at the Harbour Centre food court. The man who once starred in award-winning short films will next appear in Vancouver Provincial Court. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, two
2: incoming new governments, one provincial, the other municipal, have made bold promises when it comes to the chronic shortage of housing in this province. But just what specific challenges do David Eby and Ken Sims' administrations face when it comes to fundamentally solving the issue of homelessness? One man recently displaced by fire says he can tell them exactly what those problems are because he's living through them. Travis Prasad has his story.
6: Steven Saki leads a weekly drum circle on the downtown east side. Every beat brings comfort to the refugee from Liberia who finds himself forced out of his home for a second time.
3: Our place burned down two months ago and
6: I've been homeless. In August, a fire damaged Saki's SRO building on Powell Street near Princess Avenue. He and nearly 60 others were displaced. Since then, he's been living in Oppenheimer Park and says the province has failed to find him housing.
3: I never get a call for BC housing. And even though with this fire issue and they say you priority, priority, there's nothing priority there. Nobody's given any hands. They put, on his, they put us in a hotel for three days and they kick us out since then. There's no help.
6: An outreach team from the city did offer Saki a unit at the Brandy's Hotel SRO on East Hastings near Main Street. But he turned it down, saying the building's condition and location is unsafe.
3: Cockroaches, bed bugs,
6: siren every minute. That's not a place I want to live at. Advocates say much of the 7,000 public and private SRO units in the city are in disrepair. They add several recent SRO fires and rooms being re-rented at higher rates are making matters worse.
7: There's no place for people to go. Um, even if we can find a person in the worst room in the downtown east side, there's very few of those really, really bad rooms. And I don't blame people for
8: not wanting to go to live where there's rats.
6: Wendy Peterson is counting on Premier Designate David Eby and Mayor-elect Ken Sim to bring in stronger protections for vulnerable tenants and replace SROs with new units.
7: We've been missing strong leadership. Now's the time for it.
3: Let's be together. We can make it happen. Thank you very much, guys.
6: Saki doesn't know when he'll be housed again, but if drumming has taught him anything, it's that harmony is only created when everyone is in sync.
3: This community needs help, and we all can put a hand together to make it better. Travis Prasad, Global News.
2: A suspect is now being charged after Victoria Police say a woman was sexually assaulted and robbed by a stranger earlier this week. 20-year-old Nathan Butta Seaborn is accused of two counts of sexual assault with a weapon or causing bodily harm and one count of robbery. Police say late Tuesday night a woman was attacked on the grounds of St. Anne's Academy. Seaborn is also accused of breaching his probation on an assault conviction from earlier this year. He remains in custody for a court appearance November 1st. A Vancouver gym opened its doors this afternoon for a worthy and timely cause, hosting a free women's self-defense seminar. (laughs) Attendees lined up outside Diaz Combat Sports in Chinatown for the 90-minute training session. The event is being hosted to help empower women after a string of random attacks in the neighborhood. Owner Ryan Diaz says it's also his way of giving back to the community.
1: I hope these women take at least just one thing and that one thing can be anything whether it be even just like one of the biggest things that we push is to believe in yourself and know that you are a lot more powerful than you think. I'm so proud of all the women that come because this is their first step into taking control.
4: I think it's a great way to get your instincts up to be able to then be then uh, act if you're in a environment or circumstances uncontrolled and then of course you know you don't want to stay in fights if something does happen it's always good to run but if you do get into that situation then you know moves
5: or ways to protect yourself just how to defend myself and like how to avoid this
9: kind of situation as well and like the fact that all women are coming as well i think it's like really nice to be able to do that and like feel more like I'm um, as well
2: the free seminar was the first one the gym has held in three years after a pandemic pause well sweeping protests are once again taking place across the country and around the world today in support of demonstrations in Iran as they enter their sixth week <laughs> One of the largest protests today was in Berlin where tens of thousands of people gathered in the German capital to show their solidarity with those who oppose the Iranian regime. The anti-government demonstrations were triggered by the September 16 death of Masa Amini who died in police custody. The protests have now transformed into a global challenge of the Iranian government's authoritarian rule. And that is also fueling a major protest in downtown Vancouver today, causing traffic diversions. Our Julia Foy joins us from outside the Vancouver Art Gallery with more. Julia.
7: Well, right now, Sarah, I can hear people chanting as thousands start to return back here to the plaza outside of the Vancouver Gallery. Now, we heard speeches today that were full of passion and full of anger, but they all had the same united message that they want to stop to what they say is a very volatile and violent regime in Iran. Please,
10: please
11: be the voice of Iranian... People, be the voice of Iranian women. They need your support. Otherwise, this regime is so fascist. They have no respect for women's rights, they have no respect for human rights, they have no respect even for children's rights. Now,
7: Many people that are just returning here spoke to us today about the fear and the hatred they have for their homeland or their families that still live in Iran. They're asking for people to really come out and share and stand with them. Now the festivities and the protests that were happening here is just one of many cities across the country. There were also similar protests in Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal and Halifax. And organizers say we're not going to see a stop to these protests anytime soon. Back to you.
2: Okay, powerful images there. Julia Foy in downtown Vancouver. Thank you. RCMP are asking for your help in finding a wanted man in North Central B.C. tonight. 31-year-old Sean Brown of Logan Lake is accused of breaching his release order and being unlawfully at large. RCMP say they tried to arrest Brown Thursday at Vision Quest Recovery Society near Logan Lake, but he allegedly fled the area with two other men. Those men have since been arrested, but Brown remains at large. Police believe Brown may be in Canal or Prince George. If you see him, call police. A semi-truck was left dangling dangerously close to the edge of a cliff after crashing through a barricade on Highway 3 near Princeton. It happened just before 7.30 this morning at Similkameen Falls, about 21 kilometers east of Manning Park. The crash shut down the highway until about 11.30. There is no word on the cause of the collision or if anyone was injured. Well, forecasters had warned drivers at higher elevations in southern B.C. on Friday about cooler temperatures and slick roads. But some motorists were still caught off guard last night with an early blast of winter on some highways, with snowfall and slippery conditions causing several crashes on the Coquihalla. Jaden Wozni reports.
12: A perfect storm of below freezing temperatures and precipitation, causing multiple crashes and delays on mountain passes. One fuel tank driver near the summit of the Coquihalla, losing control on the slippery surface, narrowly squeezing between three stranded vehicles, stopping dangerously short of tragedy. The multi-vehicle incident blocking the road in both directions, causing major delays. The northbound traffic stuck until about 6 a.m. Meanwhile, southbound travelers started moving at around 1.30 this morning. According to global meteorologist Yvonne Schell, all BC mountain passes are under a special weather statement and snow is expected to continue.
10: Coca-Cola could still see up to two centimeters should taper off to flurries. Most areas along the connector will be flurries. Allison Pass could still see an additional two centimeters for this evening. Rogers Pass between two and up to four centimeters by tonight with an additional two. So it's really higher elevations near the summit that we're still tracking the potential for some winter driving conditions if you're traveling along the mountain passes this evening.
12: The B.C. government already reminding drivers to be prepared for a sudden shift into winter after much of the province experienced warmer-than-usual fall weather. At Integra Tire in Kelowna, business is starting to rev up, with all seasons being switched to snow tires ahead of winter travel.
13: So, October 1st, they want to see the uh, government wants to see the uh, snow tires on the, the coca So, that kind of is a start date for everybody. So, we start about the end of September, regardless of what the weather's like, to get uh, people organized.
12: Drivers caught in BC without winter tires when and where they're required could be handed a $121 fine and even turned away from their route. Jaden Wozni, Global News, Kelowna.
2: Coming up, demanding better care. I've been um, probably not accessing the doctors as much as I would if I'd had easy access to one. The dire need for family doctors arrives at the steps of the legislature, with patients and physicians calling for drastic change. Plus, more trouble for the province's overburdened health care system. The latest remote community suddenly cut off from emergency hospital access. That's after the break. Stay with us. Well, millions of British Columbians are without a family doctor. And today, protesters took to the lawn of the legislature to demand change. As Paul Johnson reports, physicians and patients are keeping pressure on Premier-designate David Eby and his government over the lack of timely access to crucial care. I had a family physician. Um, He
0: retired about two years ago. And since then, I haven't been able to get another family physician
4: there's a good chance that if you haven't experienced what Renee told us, you know someone who has. Universal access to a family doctor was once a point of pride for Canadians. But as the hundreds who turned up at the legislature Saturday can tell you, it's now often a source of worry.
14: Family physicians in BC are on their last legs. They are burnt out, they are struggling and they, many of them cannot see how they can stay in practice much
4: longer. Family doctors like Jennifer Lush say the problems are well-known. Pay that's too low in comparison to other medical disciplines, too much paperwork and the rising costs of just running a business. Much of this was apparently known for a long time.
14: What we have seen from
4: government has been disappointing.
14: What if everyone in BC having a family doctor wasn't a dream?
4: The group that organized the rally, BC Healthcare Matters, says the situation is costing lives, with many people putting off medical care because it's harder to organize without a doctor who knows them. The Ministry of Health told Global News Saturday they get it and have a 70-point action plan to fix the problem, which includes creating dozens more doctor training slots at UBC, plans for a new medical school at SFU, And more pay for family doctors. But will it be enough?
9: What I want to do is to go into primary care.
4: Well, it's good news to hear a young doctor in training say that. Listen to what else Tanner Lore told us.
9: What my student loans and my massive debt from lines of credit from doing my medical training are telling me that I can't.
4: Tanner says in his medical class of about 30, only two right now intend to go into family practice. Paul Johnson, Global News.
2: And to continuing concerns over the province's collapsing health care system, as Port Hardy on northern Vancouver Island is without emergency hospital care for the whole weekend. The hospital's emergency department is closed all weekend due to a staffing shortage. Its doors closed at 7 o'clock last night and will not reopen until 7 o'clock on Monday morning. The same hospital's emergency department has also been closed overnight Every night since October 3rd, due to a shortage of workers. Those who need emergency care are told to call 911 or head to the closest hospital in Port McNeil, about half an hour away. A Victoria man arrested in connection with a suspected rental scam has now been charged. 42-year-old Brandon Thomas Wildman is accused of fraud and breaching probation. Victoria police issued a warning last month about a suspect bilking would-be renters by showing them an apartment and charging them a damage deposit. But when the renters arrived, the keys did not work. Wildman was arrested last weekend in James Bay after he allegedly refused to pay rent after moving in, and the landlord recognized him. In 2019, police released this photo of Wildman when he was wanted on other charges. He remains in custody for a bail hearing October 27th. A full week after the civic election, Doug McCallum is finally conceding the mayor's chair. On election night, McCallum lost to Brenda Locke by just under 1,000 votes. He initially conceded, but a short time later said he wasn't ready to give up. But in a one-sentence statement issued Friday night, his Safe Surrey coalition said, after a review from legal advisors, it has decided to, quote, no longer pursue a judicial recount. McCallum's party did elect two of its members to council seats. Coming up on the News Hour, rebuilding together.
6: He just says, "Robert, can we build your house?" And uh, I say, "Well, if you're serious, yes, you can."
2: Yes, please. And
6: obviously, they were serious.
2: The heartwarming story of returning home for one family who lost everything to wildfire. Plus, it's beginning to feel a lot like that time of year. The lights of hope are going up. We'll take you to the massive team effort behind it. That's after the break. Well, a year after they lost virtually everything they own, a B.C. family is settling into their new home this weekend. Their house and their belongings were lost in last year's White Rock Lake wildfire, which tore a path of destruction through the hamlet of Monte Lake. As a reports, it took a team effort to give the gift of kindness. <laughs>
9: 14 long and heartbreakingly uncertain months, during which even the idea of a day like this at times would have been hard to imagine. But now it's real.
2: So excited Yeah. just to be settled. It's been a lot of up and moving and don't know where we're going to be at or how to deal with things.
9: Their smiles almost tell you the entire story. For Michelle Mazenov and Robert Hugh, home looks and feels like home again. We first met the two in early August of 2021. It had only been days since the destructive White Rock Lake wildfire had burned through the hills looking over Monte Lake and destroyed everything in its path, including their home.
6: This wind tornado came in and started flying debris, tried to battle it off,
3: but uh, couldn't save the place.
2: I got, you know, my main stuff out, which you're supposed to. But uh, that's my 40-some-odd years of my life.
9: Their rebuild was difficult and not possible without the help they never saw coming.
3: This is the fourth house we are finishing off.
9: A charity group called the Mennonite Disaster Service and an army of its volunteers has adopted this community as one of its relief projects, building homes and
3: restoring hope. We feel compassion for people. I'm retired, but I could sit home, watch TV, and do nothing. But this gives me a satisfaction to to do something for other people.
6: We talked for, I don't know, half an hour. And when we were done talking, he just says, Robert, can we build you a house? And uh, I said, well, if you're serious,
9: yes, you can. Yes, please. And obviously, they were serious. To this day, many still question the response by government to this disaster. Why don't you guys explain what your reasons were for not hiring the company out of Alberta, for not just everything that happened. A lot was lost in the fire. Irreplaceable items like a prized Wayne Gretzky rookie card.
6: I was a Wayne Gretzky fan, you bet I was.
9: But some important items also held strong, including their will to one day return back home.
2: Now we can see where we can rebuild and make it
9: better <laughs> Amadighi Global News
2: An alert for chocolate lovers now. A specific brand of coconut chocolate mints sold in Canada is being recalled due to possible salmonella contamination. Unreal brand dark chocolate coconut minis have been sold across the country, including here in B.C. Consumers are advised to not eat, serve, use, sell, or distribute the chocolates at all. Symptoms of salmonella include headache, fever, vomiting, nausea, and gastro issues. So far, there have been no reported illnesses Associated with the product. An army of volunteers has begun preparing for a major holiday campaign aimed at improving the lives of patients in this province. Teams of engineers, construction workers and volunteers have started the six-week task of unspooling thousands of lights and putting up more than 250 stars around St. Paul's Hospital in downtown Vancouver. The Lights of Hope fundraising display hopes to raise $3.6 million this year. Those funds will provide equipment, life-saving research, community programs and other essential medical services.
0: And Our doors are open for people who are at their most critical medical moments and we see them when they are emotionally, physically challenged and we know that they need innovative and compassionate care and Lights of Hope provides
2: opportunity for donors to support our greatest needs which helps to provide life-saving equipment and patient comforts. The lights will be lit up starting November 17th and will be on display until January 6th. Over its 24-year history, more than $47 million have been donated to support Lights of Hope. Coming up, our neighbors to the east get a real blast of winter. Blizzard-like conditions in October? That's the reality in Calgary this weekend. We'll take you there and have a full update on our forecast as well after the break. On Friday, many British Columbians welcomed the return of rain, however briefly, given the ongoing drought crisis in this province. One province east in southwestern Alberta, they're dealing with the first significant snowfall of the season already, with up to 15 centimeters falling overnight in parts of Calgary, and it's still falling. Here's Carolyn Curry de Castillo with the early blast of winter.
8: The show went on for some Bantam and Peewee football players inside the new Shoal Dice Seasonal Dome recently opened in Calgary. The same can't be said for all the teams that were scheduled to play on the outdoor fields.
9: They didn't, of course, shovel off the field, so they brought us inside and then I guess canceled the rest of the games for everybody. to
8: Some of the playoff games were called off because of the snow.
3: It's an awful reaction from... Uh, my phone's been going crazy here from, from, not from parents, but coaches, and the coaches got to explain to their parents why they're not playing.
8: According to the past president of the Calgary Bantam Football Association, the idea behind building the artificial turf fields at Shoaldice was to prevent weather from stopping play. Ron Logan says he was told by the city they just don't have the staff to clear off the green turf that lies buried under the snow.
3: They just basically don't have the people to, to clear the fields. they got a staff down here of about three people, and they can't get people. And they assured me we're trying to work on it but we just we just can't get the people.
8: Just last week, people were playing in shorts and sandals in Riley Park. On Saturday, kids constructed snowmen with leafy limbs. 370 tree concerns were reported to the city since midnight. 53 had fallen on pathways or roads. Power outages were reported in at least 10 neighborhoods in Calgary, and Max teams scrambled to restore power. As for the playoffs, Calgary Bantam football is trying to reschedule, a tricky task considering space is tight because of high school football. According to a city rental contract, snow Snow removal is not guaranteed on artificial fields but parents say the city needs to be prepared for the inevitable.
9: I think that we probably should have been a little more prepared and had the resources available to shovel off the field because it's October in Calgary. We can get these in September as we all know so I'm not quite sure why the city refused to scrape them off today.
8: The snowfall warning has now ended for the city of Calgary. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. Oh boy, winter is
2: coming. Yvonne Shell is here with weather on. No snow like that for us in the lower mainland, but some persis- precipitation is coming for sure.
10: Yes, we've got another weather maker that is going to push in. We're looking at the return for some wet weather once again, and this time we're looking at more rainfall along the south coast, and I'll have more coming up in just a moment. Beautiful shot out there this evening. We're currently sitting at 9 degrees. We've got a light wind at 9 kilometers per hour. A few areas, though, closer to the Strait of Georgia, though, we'll continue to see some of those winds still picking up between 20 and up to 30 kilometers per hour. Hour. Heads up this evening, a 30% chance to see an isolated shower. We are going to see some fog patches in the mix. That'll take us in towards our Sunday morning, but we do have some breaks. It'll be pleasant for the afternoon. Enjoy it. Temperatures will bump up to 12 degrees. And then as we get in towards the evening, it'll be likely be late evening and taking us in towards our Monday. That's the timeline that we'll start to see some heavier rain. And then a number of weather makers are going to start to work its way along the south coast. So we are going to be tracking rainfall in the coming days. Here's the nice break that we're anticipating. And then in behind, this will be the system. That is going to move in for all areas across the province. Quick snapshot of the connector. We have had some wet snow. It's really higher elevations near the summit that have been tracking that accumulating snowfall. And it's just the Kootenai Pass that's still underneath the special weather statement with the potential to see snowfall this evening with up to two centimeters. And then it should ease off. So if you're traveling along the mountain passes, it should be much more pleasant leading in towards tomorrow. There's that next system that will push in. So late tomorrow night, taking us in towards our Monday. It'll really be for back to work and school that you'll need that umbrella. We'll have that heavier Rainfall. It'll continue with another system for Tuesday, leading in towards our Wednesday as well. Rainfall amounts. This is just one forecast model, but model rather. But we could see that between 10 up to 20 millimeters, in a few spots, especially along the North Shore Mountains, could see upwards of 20 millimeters. So we'll be watching that very closely. Now, the northern half of the province with that rainfall, very windy at times, anywhere between 40. Some of those winds will pick up to 60 kilometers per hour. Much of the central interior, a few isolated showers will be in the mix. The southern half of the province, it'll be key though as we get in late evening and then leading into Monday is when we'll see that chance for some showers but it's really pleasant through the day tomorrow and a few spots even still seeing the double digits with Kamloops getting up to 11 degrees. Long the Island heads up though for the afternoon the chance for some rain does start to pick up and then heavier at times towards the evening lower mainland metro Vancouver we are going to see that rain moving in tomorrow night heavy at times and then taking us in towards our Monday onwards. Different weather picture and five-day forecast. It's been a while, Sarah, but we do have some oh rainfall gosh. in the mix. And it looks like it'll be on and off in the coming days, starting on our Monday and continuing through the week so far. Okay. Sarah?
2: thank God yeah. we could use that rain. I never thought I would say that, but I missed the rain. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <bet>. <laughs> Thanks so much, Yvonne. Another Variety Week has wrapped up, and thanks to the generosity of Global BC viewers, Variety will be able to improve the lives of hundreds of special needs children and their families. Your support has helped provide special wheelchair equipment for kids like 14-year-old Emerson in Prince George, and autism assessments for twins Marcuse and Markeef in Richmond. Your contributions also assist families who have to travel out of town for hospital care. Every year, the children's charity is heartened by the number of people wheelchair. Will- willing to make a difference in the lives of others.
1: A lot of social workers and of course the hospital foundations are reaching out to us and with beautiful stories of uh, how we've impacted and really helped those kids uh, and those families. These families are going through quite difficult circumstances. They are very stressed and to be able to support them and help them to just focus on their child and that's why funding like Variety's Variety Cares Fund really helps to alleviate that stress.
2: And now, thanks to donors from across the province, Variety can help 869 kids. That is amazing. We'll have the final total for you on Monday's news hour at six. But there is still time for you to help BC's children with special needs. Call 310Kids or go online to variety.bc.ca. What a worthy cause and what a great count. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Barry delay, belated birthday boy. How are you doing?
13: Yeah, very good. Thank you, yeah, thank you for the text. Everyone now with uh, Facebook, welcome. everyone knows when it's your birthday. <laughs> when one does, then it spreads like wildfire. So thanks to everyone who did that. Felt it felt was deja vu. It felt like it happened uh, just a year ago, and apparently. It did. <laughs> Uh, well, the Canucks are hoping that uh, home cooking is better for them because uh, they did not do so well. A lot of indigestion for them and their fans on their road trip, Oh, three and 2 So we'll uh, have a preview of that taken on the Sabres tonight in their home opener this year. And a look back at the Lions win last night in Edmonton. That clinched a home playoff date for them. And uh, we'll take a look back on that as well.
2: Okay, looking forward to that game tonight. Thanks so much, Barry. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. Coming up, desperate for answers and justice
10: communities need to know where their children are. It's a fundamental human right.
2: Loved ones looking for long lost relatives who cycled through the residential school system are still waiting for any semblance of closure. The labor intensive and incredibly tedious search for answers. That's after the break. The discovery of unmarked graves in provinces across the country have shone an international spotlight on the dark history of the residential school system. And now, more than ever, descendants of people who attended the institutions as children are looking for answers about what happened to their loved ones. That includes a family in Brandon, Manitoba, that is still searching. Krista Hesse has their story for the new reality.
14: This is the first time Melanie Bagley has stepped foot on the site of the former Brandon Residential School. Her grandmother was taken to the institution at four years old.
8: I said to my grandmother, what was it like growing up on the reserve and what was it like um, going to residential school? And she just turned to me and she said, we never talk about that.
14: Bagley and her brother, Russell Bright, grew up in England. They were unaware of their indigenous heritage until they were in their twenties. While researching her grandmother's school life, Bagley discovered that their grandmother had a younger sister, Lena, who also went to the school.
8: When I found that out, it's had a, like a shock. Well, I've never heard of her, so I spoke to another cousin and another cousin, and nobody's ever heard of her. And so, who who is she? Where where did she go?
14: Bagley is still looking for answers to those questions, and she's not the only one. A quiet effort has been underway to find the names of these lost children. We'll take you inside that world tonight on The New Reality, 7 p.m. on Global. Krista Hesse, Global News.
2: Coming up, trick or treat for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) The inclusive and meaningful experience for kids of all abilities this Halloween that is coming up after Sports with Barry. Stay with us.
5: We are at a critical turning point in cancer care and research. But together, our potential is beyond belief. The BC Cancer Foundation has launched the most ambitious health campaign in BC's history. Give today at gobeyondbeliefbc.ca
13: don't miss the vancouver fall home show coming october 20th through 23rd get real home advice from trusted local experts get inspiration and see the latest trends on everything from kitchen and bath flooring and more tickets at vancouverfallhomeshow.com bc cancer foundation has launched the most ambitious and comprehensive health campaign in bc's history to activate bc cancer experts advance innovation and accelerate accessibility to world-class care for every british Columbian. gift today at go beyond for rbc i'm michael newman if
3: you want to know, it's on the house.
6: If you want to show, it's on the house. If you want to Global know. B.C. Community Hub. Navigate your now.
2: Welcome back. Barry is back.
13: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, big game for the Canucks tonight. Fingers yeah.
13: crossed. Well, yeah, and maybe your toes, too. No, they, they <laughs> actually haven't played as bad. Sometimes during these losing streaks, the ones you lose at the end, you're playing a lot better. Just like in the winning mm-hmm. streaks, when you're winning some you don't deserve. So. Yep hopefully it'll even out for them. Thank you, Sarah. The Canucks are hoping some home cooking will get the sour taste out of their mouths after their winless five game road trip to start the new season. Canucks have taken blowing leads to a whole new level, having lost the lead in each of the five games so far and injuries are starting to pile up on defense. Tucker Pullman and Riley Stillman are definitely out tonight and Quinn Hughes will be a game time decision. Just another challenge for a team that is desperate for something good to happen tonight with a preview here's asa rahman
4: minnesota wins it and the canucks are the last team remaining without a win still searching
11: for the first win of the season the canucks are hoping to build on some of the positives from their season opening road
3: trip i just know that we've been very competitive for all five games and you know i mean uh, Uh, If things worked out, I mean, we could have won, you know, at least three or four of them.
11: One of the most encouraging stats is that they've led for an average of 30 minutes and 27 seconds through the first five games of the season, sixth best in the league. But being unable to close out a game has resulted in just two points from a possible 10.
3: I think we were... We're tied in almost all of them, you know. After like the the final TV timeout, and then just not to come out with a win is is tough. So obviously those last those last minutes are important, and uh, just uh, just learn from those. And you know I think we'll be all right. We've traveled cross country for five games, and in front of a lot of um, fans that don't like us. So it'll be good to get back uh, uh, home cooking and, and coming back into your own building again.
11: It's the same building that kickstarted the Bruce Boudreaux experience for the Canucks. Sorry. He led the team to five straight home wins to start his coaching career in Vancouver, and the fans will be hoping that Jack Rathbone can provide a similar spark as the 23-year-old defenseman makes his season debut for the Canucks tonight. The exciting young prospect tallied 40 points in 39 games with Abbotsford last season, but it's the defensive side of his game that's been holding him back.
13: I know those questions are coming, and I, I took a lot of steps last year to hopefully have uh, those questions be answered. Um, but I think just coming into tonight, just being able to play with uh, some talented players and um, you know, just kind of do my thing.
3: When you're playing your first game of the year, I mean, it's a, uh, you sit there, and I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to do this wrong. But in the, in the end, my message always is just be you. You know, Do what you got here. Just play the game the way you can
13: play. On Monday, when the Canucks play Carolina at Rogers Arena, they will be wearing special warm-up jerseys to celebrate Diwali. You can see it's definitely a much more colorful version of the Canucks' usual logo.
2: Very recognizable as the Canucks logo, but then I wanted to bring in my own flair. So I have this lotus kind of blooming out of the darkness into the light. And it explodes into these really
5: energetic fireworks. And then we have the Dia holding the candle. I really wanted it to represent that brightness of the Valley, that light over dark, that good over evil, um, and then still, you know, retain it within the Canucks logo.
13: All right, NHL today: Blues and Oilers from Edmonton. Oilers starting the season with a six-game homestand. Two and two so far. First period, Blues power play. Tori Krug winds up and fires past Jack Campbell 1-0 St. Louis second period though Campbell keeping the Oilers in it after the giveaway a tremendous pad save off Jordan Cairo that should have been 2-0 but Campbell firing out the pad it remains 1-0 after 2 third period Connor McDavid showing off his juggling skills this that's ridiculous this is an NHL regular season game not practice Check out that play. Had he scored, that may have gone down as one of his greatest goals, but he didn't. 2-0 the final. Blues beat the Oilers. Well, it was mission accomplished last night for the Lions. Their 31-14 win in Edmonton clinched a home playoff date, which will be two weeks from tomorrow at BC Place against the Stampeders in the Western semifinal. Lions controlled the game from start to finish against the sad sack Elks, who saw their home losing streak extend to 17 straight games over a three year span. One of the real bright spots last night was running back James Butler. He rushed for a season high 141 yards on 24 carries. He also had a touchdown it's no secret teams that can establish a run game especially late in the year can help balance off the offense and in the cold weather games when the wind and the footing is suspect it gives them another option. Butler also passed the 1,000 yard mark on the season.
3: It means a lot. It means, it means a lot for this O-line. means a lot for this offense. Uh, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's a really great, uh, amazing accomplishment. It's getting better as, as the season gets on. You know, starting to. You know, guys are starting to wear and tear, and I feel like myself is always, like, getting stronger. You know what I'm saying? I really pride myself on, you know, staying strong during the season. So just trying to continue doing that.
13: All right, CFL today, Rough Riders and Stampeders. Calgary nothing to play for, but the Rough Riders need to win their last two to have any chance at the playoffs. Rookie Mason Fine, first CFL start. Fine Shaq Evans for the touchdown. The Riders were optimistic they could win this one, but uh, that was quickly dashed. The Stamps really took over from there. Jake Mayer to Richie Sindani for the touchdown. It's 32-14 Stamps, very late in the fourth, so it looks like the Riders will be out, and Hamilton will clinch the final playoff spot. The draw has been set for next year's Women's World Cup in Australia. Our Canadian women are placed in Group B, where they'll be joined by the host country, Australia, Nigeria as well, and the Republic of Ireland. Earlier this year, Canada played Australia twice in Oz, compiling a win and a draw. Barring any upsets, Canada uh, should finish atop the group, avoiding England in the round of 16 is something they hope to do, and that would happen if they win their pool. First match for Canada is July 21st against Nigeria.
7: I think reasonably happy um, to get a home home nation, play them at home, it's, it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. We've got experience against both Australia and Nigeria, and then the Republic of Ireland you can't take them lightly, you know, they'll be out to prove that they should be at this World Cup. Recent draw against Sweden for them. So I think all three games will give us a different style, different challenges, um, but excited to play a home nation.
13: English Premiership today second place Manchester City home to Brighton and Norwegian giant Eric Holland just continues to torch the Premier League playing his 10th match of the season runs on to the long goal kick and he's the last man standing slots it in for his league leading 14th goal and he wasn't done then before a halftime from the penalty spot he will power home his 15th with the left foot Man City win 3-1 now a point back of first place Arsenal who play Southampton tomorrow. Meanwhile, Manchester United on the road at Chelsea. Blues scored on a penalty in the 87th, but Man United equalized at the death. It's the header from Casemiro that just ends up crossing the line. They reviewed it with the goal line technology and said it was a good goal. It ends 1-1. Chelsea remains a point ahead of United for fourth place. Third round of the CJ Cup from South Carolina. Rory McIlroy started the day two off the lead, but he had a good day on the par fives. Three of them on the course, Rory went birdie, Eagle, Eagle, the second Eagle coming here on 12. McElroy has the lead through 54 holes at minus 13, one ahead of three players, including John Rahm. Two Canadians in the field. Corey Connors tied 18th at minus six. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin tied 42nd at one under. And some baseball playoffs, game three of the American League Championship Series from the Bronx, Yankees and Astros. Yankee fans, of course, with a very warm welcome for the Astros. And the Astros, though, they just keep rolling. They won the first two in Houston and they won again today. Chas going deep up Garrett Cole 5 nothing. the final as Astros pitchers combined on a three-hit shutout Astros lead the series 3 nothing. game four tomorrow in New York that is it for sports
2: that's a good rivalry
13: uh, yeah well everyone everyone used to hate the Yankees but the Astros with their kind of cheating scandal everyone kind of hates them now so who do you hate more I
2: guess? so it's all even right okay coming up making Halloween accessible to everyone we will take you to an exciting inclusive trick-or-treating experience when we come back. Stay with us.
9: From the stories to touch us all to the events happening all around us,
4: when BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News Connect.
2: Welcome back. Okay, Barry Yvonne, Halloween is just over a week away. Many kids and families take trick-or-treating for granted on Halloween, but for some, the most frightening aspect can be the physical barriers they have to overcome. Residents and neighbors at Bristol Place in Surrey decorated their homes early and hosted an inclusive trick-or-treating experience for kids. The event was founded by a grassroots group, Treat Accessibly. In 2017, the Padulo family put a sign on their lawn to let a neighborhood child know that he could trick-or-treat at their home without any obstacles. It is the first time a Halloween village is being done in the Lower Mainland and only the fifth time in Canada. It is hoped this will become an annual event.
13: The entire day is dedicated to supporting children with disabilities by everybody who's treating. All the homeowners are treating from the end of their driveways to make it fully accessible and barrier-free. We chose this neighborhood because it's close to Unwind Park, which has a beautiful uh, accessible playground, and the neighborhood actually embraced the idea of doing it. We have over 25 uh, homeowners participating today.
12: Is it kind of cool to be able to have the whole the streets closed down for you guys? Yeah.
9: Yeah, Yeah, because it's kind of like more safe than like, that's why I like. And then there's no like random people driving around, and then super fun to play, and we can just get a lot of candy.
3: Uh we're
6: just happy to come and represent the Empire, show <laughs> the citizens that the Empire does
2: good. I didn't know stormtroopers uh, trick or treated as well. Great <laughs> costumes there. Looks like so much fun. Just
13: amazing they didn't get shot because <laughs> that's usually what happens to stormtroopers.
2: Wow. Yeah. Okay, Yvonne, Quick look at what we're in, in a we fun
13: way. <laughs>
10: <laughs> we are going to see a bit of a break. Get out and enjoy tomorrow. Some fog patches for the morning hours. And then the next round of rain moving in late towards the evening hours. It's going to be soggy in towards next week and potentially leading in towards next weekend as well.
2: Okay, sounds good. That's all for us tonight. Thank you for sharing part of your evening with us. Kamal Karmali is here at 11. Have a great evening. Good night.